Hi, this is Hudson Mohawk. You're listening to Cabbage's podcast. And I run into a Nick Swarsden thing and he's, he said, well, I knew the critics were going to hate it because of the way we wrote it, directed it and acted in it. Then why did you make the film? If you knew it was bad, like they made this bad film and then we're like mad at the critics. He said later on in the, in the interview, they made fools out of themselves. Did they? Or did you make a fool out of yourself by being a tiny dicked buck toothed moron for two hours? I think the point he's trying to make there is that this was never a movie for the critics. And I mean, a lot of bad movies, the idea is that it critically doesn't get- The movie was for no one, Gary. It was for no one. I hate this movie with my soul's fire. All of the fire in my- innermost recesses of my soul were ignited by hatred to make like there were four very convenient endings to this film and they just kept going and going and they just kept doing things that made no sense and there wasn't enough kevin nealon no i mean look you you clearly you you watched it and that's what's most important here no, i mean you- i want to be on the podcast i have to watch this piece of shit that was the rule that was made yes of course if you're going to be on this show we have to watch the movies and we agreed this season that we were gonna go you know back no to no back. i think everybody understands the, the yeah movie. but i picked a movie that is like kind of famous for being bad and like watchable you picked a movie that was pure vengeance you did this to make me feel bad. And our poor guests, who we will introduce momentarily, had to suffer through this as well. I mean, you say suffer. I mean, like, I, I think that you came into this with a pretty negative attitude from the start. You know, I know you're not you, a big... You came into Tremors with a negative attitude. I came in, I wanted to watch this film the second we got off the air with Father. I was pumped. And this movie shit on me for an hour and 40 minutes. It took a huge dump on my head without my consent. How dare you? Hello, and welcome to the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Suarez. I'm a music journalist and critic, and I write a twice-weekly hip-hop newsletter called Cabbages, which you can subscribe to for free at cabbageshiphop.com. I also make Jeff watch terrible movies just to make him feel bad. Ah, joining me, as always, is my co-host, music industry insider and known grape eater, Jeffrey Lachlan. It's season four of the podcast, and Jeff and I are engaged in bad movie battle. We're discussing cinematic flops, cult calamities, and all-around stinkers, trading off every episode to pick disreputable films with great guests joining us along the way. And so, as you probably surmised, today we'll be talking about Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star, the 2011 sex comedy of which the New York Times said, quote, this may be the worst movie Polly Shore has ever been in.
I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today's show. Joining us now is Hudson Mohawk. The Glasgow native is a giant in electronic music, recording albums for Warp Records under his solo moniker and as half of the duo Tonight. He's also made his mark in hip-hop, producing for the likes of Drake, Lil Wayne, Pusha T, and Kanye West. Also joining us today is Megan Fredette. The New York City-based journalist writing has appeared in such outlets as Refinery29, Paper, Rolling Stone, and W Magazine, to name a few. Hello and welcome to you both. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's our pleasure to have you both on this uh, very special second episode of our season four Bad Movie Battle. It's, it's Gary's pleasure to have you here <laughs> to talk about this film. Well, you know, Jeff, if you didn't want to have these guests on, you could have picked other people. But this, this, wasn't, this isn't really... about our wonderful guests and how dare you frame me as such. <laughs> this is about the film. Yeah. And the film, obviously, is Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star. Now, the reason why this film was chosen in the first place, and actually one of the reasons why my interest in it first originated, was because it was from some of the same people behind Grandma's Boy, which is a quite successful cult film in the Happy Madison Productions' Adam Sandler universe. Uh, Hudson Mohawk, I know you actually are quite a big fan of Grandma's Boy. <laughs> I think I think we've had we've had several conversations around around grandma's boy um yeah i remember getting it on like a one of those weird pirate dvds mm. 2005 or whenever the fuck it was um oh like one of those cdrs yeah yeah with like a it was around the same time as like team america and that kind of thing um, yes. and i remember not really knowing anything about anyone who was in it and I guess it was like vaguely, vaguely in the same vein as like um, some of those like uh, old school and those kind of things. But it was just like a little more chaotic and a little more offensive. And I found it very deeply funny at the time and, and still do. Yeah, I did a rewatch of it actually last night. I've watched that movie a ton of times. I did a rewatch last night. I popped a couple of weed gummies and just <laughs> in, enjoyed it tremendously. Yeah. It held, it holds up as a very ridiculous film. Yeah. And, and the key thing, again, why I bring it up is because it's more or less the same team. It's Alan Covert, uh, who is like a day one Happy Madison person, like went to NYU with Adam Sandler. So it's Alan Covert, who appears also in a lot of the movies uh, and starred in Grandma's Boy. Uh, Nick Swardson, who co-starred Grandma's Boy, is also one of the writers on Grandma's Boy. But Bucky Larson, as I've learned, is an original idea from Adam Sandler himself. Really? Galaxy brain of Adam Sandler. Yeah. So he started. Really? This is the galaxy. <laughs> this was his decision. This was originally an idea that Sandler had for a while about this sort of Midwestern man-child who suddenly uh through chance decides they wants to be an adult film star and that was basically an idea he'd been rattling around for years and years and finally he made it happen he could green light it because at this point you know this 2011 is when this one came out sandler was able to do pretty much whatever he wanted to do this was post grown-ups which had been a huge success having kind of you know chris rock you know some of the old snl people in there as the ensemble so yeah cast. you're talking about the a team the Adam Sandler movies are their A team, and these are the B team. The, the Sandler, <laughs> like, all the Sandler acolytes get together and are like, "We can do what Adam Sandler does. It's easy." 
and it's not. But this is it's also not. Sandler's writing. This is Sandler's writing. He's one of the co-writers of this movie. It's Sandler, Covert, and Swartzen. Yeah, he loves his B team. It was having quite a good run at that point. You know, again, he that's was. Like- he was he was a really bankable star, and I mean, um, God, what was the name of the movie with the he's the kid and he's got to go to school, but. Yeah, of course. It starts with Billy Madison. Billy mm-hmm. Madison, that's right. And the Water Boy was great. Water Boy still, still a favorite. Still holds up. Eminently rewatchable movies. Yeah, and you know, guess for the a while scene. in his career, he made just like movies you could put on at any time. Exactly. For food immediately, and that's a skill. That's like a really cool skill. Yeah, he could kind of do no wrong in the mid to late nineties. You know, between Billy Madison and like Big Daddy, like that. That's right. sort of like. Then you got Wedding Singer in there. You've got Happy Gilmore in there. Like in that run, he pretty much just wins all day. And he's he was hugely likable coming off of SNL. And that works. And then like in the 2000s, it gets a little bit uh, more interesting in that he starts doing you know, a bit more romantic comedy stuff like 50 First Dates. But he also does things. Also like a great the, movie. Yeah, there's stuff like The Longest Yard kind of there's a remake of that. Click, which is a really bizarre film, but works really well. Great Christopher Walken performance. And then Grown Ups, and he does, I think, so 2011, he does two movies um, that he is stars in. He stars in Just Go With It with, um, uh, <laughs> with Jennifer Aniston. And then he also does Jack and Jill that year, um, which is considered by many to be one of his worst films. Uh, not as bad as The Cobbler, but still one of his worst oh. films. Um, Jeff, have you seen The Cobbler? You're a real grown there. Oh, man, I tried The Cobbler. And it was, I did not cobble. <laughs> it did not work for me. Did not have a good graham cracker crust. It, it's total nonsense. Uh, I tried to figure it out. The first 30 minutes are like just wildly confusing and very bad. And that's when I stopped. Oh, like, Why dear. am I doing this to myself? You know, when a movie's bad, you just, it, it feels masochistic to watch. This, this movie I knew in 15 seconds that I no longer wish to watch the film. Yes, yes. When a goat blows a dude to start the film off. <laughs> oh my God. Your pick, Gary, where a goat just like to introduce, listen, this is the introduction to the film. This is the first time the intro montage. anything in the film. And we see someone we never see again get blown by a goat. You know, it sets the tone well, from the start. Set the, well, it sets yeah, the tone from the start. To be fair, he does, you know, he does make some things happen in order to get the goat to blow him. He covers his dick in peanut butter. Um, right. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to mischaracterize the brilliance of this scene. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm Tricks really glad that the camera didn't ever pan him. down. The camera did not pan down. We knew it was happening. I'm just glad that they spared us the visual. But you get it from the start. Like, like that tone is set. You're dealing with Midwest weirdos, crude humor. This is what this movie is. We're not trying to pretend it's anything but that. And it is exactly from there. It stays true to that tone pretty much throughout the film. That is the level of, of humor that we're getting. You know, when we meet when we meet Bucky for the first time and he's grocery bagging, it's about his teeth and his weird haircut. Like it wouldn't make sense if you put him in a normal world looking like that. And sounding like that make any sense. It but... has to start in this, this weird, this weird, like mid zone between realities where it's like that's just normal behavior. Morning, neighbor. I'm getting sucked off by a goat. 
<laughs> I watched <laughs> I watched the scene, which is essentially the the opening salvo for our hero, where his manager talks himself into firing Bucky. Right for the crime. How how do you how do you describe that scene? What happened? I mean, he was just bagging his groceries and right. decided to have a little chit chat with one of his, I guess, regular customers. It was this elderly lady, and I guess got fired for that. I'm not really sure um, for just trying to be uh, a, a nice, hospitable person. You know, I, I, I think. Does that sound H- about right? Hudson, can you describe what happened? Um, yeah, any I clarity? Guess, I guess they're having a conversation he's chatting a little too much apparently about how fantastic these uh fucking cool the cool ranch, ranch, cool ranch chips yeah. are <laughs> yeah um you gotta make the money somewhere it didn't and, make it. yeah right exactly until his his manager billy clubs himself over the head okay so <laughs> i had to go back and watch this like three or four times because <laughs> what actually happens is this dude is so disgusted by the like general life force of Bucky Larson born to be a star that he like intentionally beats himself up. Right. And right. he's not talking to anyone. He's just kind of talking to the air around Bucky. There are witnesses to what's happening and he fires him and everybody's like, "Hey, you'll get him next time. <laughs> It's, uh, I was so confused. It's such a bizarre setup for, for this, for this character. And, you know, I, I also found that the, the manager, the boss, his reaction to Bucky was sort of strangely overblown, but also kind of mm. sets the tone for how much disdain every other character has. Both of the managers in this are completely bonkers. They're horrible human beings. Just like... What is this based on? Is it a satire of a person or are you creating people that we've never seen before? But look, I mean, this is a gross out comedy and, and we'll get into the details of that certainly along the way. Uh, we certainly started with the uh, with the goat scene and the peanut butter. But like the person who plays his boss at the supermarket is Curtis Armstrong, who's Booger from the Revenge of the Nerds movies. And more recently, he plays Snot How far the American Dad. So like, but Curtis Armstrong is like a really funny guy. So his presence in this yeah. is sort of like, he's blessing this movie with his legacy as one of the great gross out comedians of the 1980s. And- I mean, or he's getting paid in the Adam Sandler universe, which is the biggest <laughs> one in the world. But okay, we'll go with the the one that paints this movie in a positive light. And you know, he plays this demented aggro character. The self-inflicted violence is, is a wonderful move that feels very improvised. It leaves questions in my mind of how does a clerk fire a bag boy? Um, but the name is the name of the place is called Fooders Grocery. And that to me is just the funniest generic name for a supermarket. Fooders Grocery. Nothing matters. Nothing that might have been matters. the only time that I laughed in the movie was when I saw that that the sign said Fooders because I I'm from the Midwest and I could absolutely see. Did you work at a Fooders? I did not work at a Fooders. Um, I mean, shopped at them, shoplifted Mm -hmm. from them, you know, (laughs) ran around midnight, you know, because they were always open 24 hours, you know, ran around, 
um, at, at midnight past my curfew with my friends, um, you know, looking at, at makeup and, and generic microwaves. So, I mean, great, great memories of places like that for sure. Now, did you and your friends ever gather in the basement to watch films like The Farmer in the Smell and Welcome to the Stink? Oh, my God. No. How true is this experience for the Midwestern lifestyle? I, you know, I was, I was, okay, so I was actually going to ask you all that question. Um, uh, How common is it for guys to get in a room and watch porn together. Is that a thing that guys do at any point in their development? Cause I don't know, what's what's the deal with that? I think I did that a couple of times in school, like around 12, 13, 14 years old. When only, <sighs> if it like only one person's folks have cable or something like that. That's So that's the thing is that you get sucked in in very large groups because like only one person around had has access to this stuff right but like just you know thursday night me and the me and the fellas no no we didn't watch porn together yeah but i mean that scene is also meant you know the idea of like people who are like 11 years old if you have 11 year old boys who discover an older brother's dvd or vhs tape that's one thing and i think what that scene in this film where and pre-internet Bucky that and was probably pals. a little more common yeah i think you have vhs tapes and the nature of the nature yeah. of that you know like oh the parents aren't home we can we can sneak on a tape and like this is, has breasts in it and you know very exciting right. for 11 year old boys but There's the thing the, the, the scattered cable where you have to make out a a, a, a tit or something oh yeah like large <laughs> and blue it was worth the, it was worth the effort it was i'll worth tell you what it's sure. there it really was it's there I want to find it. Very defining and childhood. <laughs> but that scene is meant to really emphasize that these, all these guys are like stunted band children. Like they are all clearly like they have the, the understanding of the world that a 10 or 11 year old or 12 year old would have. And so they're getting excited about watching a, a nudie okay, quick movie. question. Uh, are they 12 though? How old is Bucky Larson? <laughs> I got the sense that Bucky Larson was like, he looks like he's in his late twenties. I, I, I mean, but also could be 12, but also could be 12. And, you know, I think that's, so that's like, I think one of my, I think I'm going to touch on one of my central problems with Bucky as a character Hmm. is that it's, first of all, we're not, it isn't explained how old he is, which I think is that like, that would be a really fundamental thing to know that I think would sort of, that I think would would offer maybe slightly more insight into this character if there was insight to be gleaned. Mm. Um, but I think the thing that that irritated me the most is like you it, you couldn't actually tell if he was developmentally delayed or on the spectrum, or if he was just extremely sheltered. And because you couldn't figure it out and it would never was never made clear like it didn't feel good to laugh at him you would have had to have someone act in right 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 (laughs) so that it was explained by their actions it's definitely not something you could make nowadays (laughs) no i i I didn't want to laugh at this person i mean not not that the character was even funny but it's like 
even you know like even if there there was a funny moment it's hard to laugh at this character if you're like wow like I you know like if this person's on the spectrum or something like that's that's not funny you know but they said the r word so many times during the movie that like I I just realized how cruel of a word that is and how like how hard it is to hear and it took this film <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they did, they really went all out to make they sure you really felt did. as uncomfortable as possible. They really did. And it, it's just like, it's just, I don't know. It's I definitely, I, I feel like if, if I had watched that and not kind of known the characters from Grandma's Boy, I probably would have been like, this is fucking horrendous. Hmm. He plays a, a yeah, different but a similar yeah. character in in Grandma's Boy. Is he lives with his parents, Nick Swardson. But he's also clearly like you know mid twenties or something in that. Oh, so this is a shtick for Nick Swardson. Cool, very cool, very very smart and creative. Great, awesome. Well, well this is a Sandler trope. I mean, like, what's yeah. how old is the Water Boy? How the old is, is how, like how old? Yeah, how old is Hubie and Hubie Halloween? Like, Sandler has played these sorts of like. I don't want to say dim-witted necessarily, but it's played these sorts of characters where you have these questions about their mental faculties and that are, whether or not there is developmental disability in play or if he's just doing a funny voice. But he's done that in so many movies that like when he's conceptualizing a character like this, again, this is a Sandler character that he's developed, how much of that just comes from this well of, well, he has to be sort of inept in order to have the people around him have something to react to that was kind of my point like that makes it hard to laugh at him because it's like you know the people around him are sort of bemused by his presence and it's like but the acting is so bad and the story is so bad that the this bemusement you can't tell if it comes from like I'm trying to be kind to you because you are developmentally uh uh not not quite there or you're just an idiot you can't tell and they just all they just the way Adam Sandler writes these characters, they just blur into the same thing. You know, obviously it's a farce and it, it's definitely there's meant to be extremes, but like it also the way in which he is presented, the way in which Bucky is presented makes him somewhat sympathetic in a way that he might not otherwise be like when they're making fun of his teeth and everyone's so yeah. mean to him about his teeth. Like he doesn't no. have enough problems and flaws like everyone keeps focusing on that like. You just go like, oh, poor guy. He just can't catch a break. Can't catch a break. You know, which I think is part of why someone like Christina Ricci's character uh, for Kathy becomes. Oh, we we're going to get to my favorite question. Go ahead. Why was Christina Ricci there? I already know the answer, but I want to hear everybody else's answer for why. Why is she there? I mean, what is, what is the point of this person? That uh, her dream is to become a better waitress yeah like, that's that's a sandler joke it's just I, I don't even know what else to say except that it's just it's not funny it's just not funny i will say though i think christina ricci really uh i think she absolutely stole the scene and every every time she was on the camera she was trying so her character was very endearing and you know like i I worked in the service industry as a, as a, as a shift, like a, a shift server for several years. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that, so that scene where 
they ask her to clean the bathrooms and yeah, that, that really, that really just spoke to my soul. Um, and how you're just sort of expected to just kind of say, well, all right, I guess this is what I got to do. And then you just go and do it. Yeah. We also forgot to discuss that, I guess, his his parents being sort of like quite proud that he discovered their sex tapes and oh, sort of Lord, strange yeah. dynamic as well. <laughs> that is worth going back to the, the sort of like yeah, let's go back when he when he <laughs> well when he's he... he's possibly 26 years old. he could be 34 we don't really know maybe it's just like okay dude you're 34 you figure it out but his parents are the parents reaction to it isn't a shock and, and horror but like well yeah you got us like we did <laughs> used to be big porn stars back in the day don't Almost you know like, oh, well you know you here's the family secret all right well we'll we'll let you in it's it's secretly kind kind of a sex positive movie like in a in a way that no one's really all that judgy over people having sex yeah right right so they're just like oh well that's amazing that you did that but the parents are still like mm maybe don't do this for the like five seconds that they get to react to him saying I'm moving tomorrow to Hollywood to be a porn star. But any, any trace of, of sex positivity, I think is just completely demolished by mm. the horrible, horrible euphemisms and jokes that they made, like, especially <laughs> during the scene where they're watching the porn. Yeah. I, That's I was a audibly scene. retching and like wanting to die and not even understanding how some of like one of the actors said rubbing your skin flute after it gets sniffed. <laughs> I'm seeing a pair of love balloons like like as an actor like how do you say that with a straight face because I can't say that yeah. without feeling my stomach. Yeah I think you might like, be right. Curl against the wall. <laughs> You're just getting <laughs> So I'm getting the impression that you're, you're not a fan so of this hard film. to talk about it as a movie. <laughs> and, and we're just like, fuck that. It sucks. <laughs> Inflating your fun tool. <laughs> Grabbing your joystick and tapping on your dirt button. But like you saying it is wildly more funny than any of their deliveries. Unfortunately, that, that shouldn't that, that shouldn't be the case, you know? <laughs> I did like the the, the all the the names for the the various uh various times of jacking off throughout the day the pre-nap slap the traffic jam slam <laughs> but again funnier when you guys say it but no I, I i'm getting a very clear sense of who didn't like this film and i think that, that that's clear i laughed at a lot of this film and, and enjoyed it very much and i want to get a sense of what of what positive things we can get out of this as well because i think it's very clear the things that people didn't like okay uh, right away like so for me like my favorite part of this movie is hands down any scene with kevin nealon in it Oh, the roommate, yes. And, and not just because his name is Gary. Like, I, I genuinely found <laughs> That's great his character just to be, you know, just this deeply disturbed roommate from hell and maybe one of the most unhinged characters to ever grace the big screen. <laughs> Extremely unhinged and psychotic. And, I mean, there was the scene where he was like, 
yelling at Bucky and Bucky's lying the in great. bed and but the camera is like this like angular like German expressionist <laughs> and camera angle that just felt very it felt like it felt like they were they were in on the joke in that scene and I I appreciated that because there weren't any other scenes that I felt like they were in on the joke but that scene for sure you eat my like, grapes hmm, it would be really funny if we tilt this camera like now. Did you eat my grapes? Did you eat one of my grapes? One of my grapes. One of my grapes. Is that why you're crying? (laughs) That absolutely floored me. I was like, maybe if there were like 10 more of these, I would be fine with this film. They gave this character this, this like more context than you expected. Like sometimes you see these cameos and like, they're just, they're weird and they're, they're done. And like he keeps coming back, and like the themes kept being the same thing: the milk joke, um, <laughs> the grapes came back. Right, and then he, hi Kathy, do you want some milk? Is that your milk? It's just, <laughs> like uh, fucking um, his joke. So, so he puts the right. water. He turns the water on and puts that in his cereal, and yeah. Yeah, my last roommate wanted to be a rock star. He owes me three months' rent. Fuck you, John Mayer. <laughs> he would. He was a delight. For most, I didn't love the scene where he jumps out of the closet. That was just completely pointless. And I wasn't, it wasn't all that funny. But the rest of his scenes were all classics. There's just a lot of through lines through it. Like obviously like the the milk, the cereal milk bit. And then when Bucky starts making money off of his uh, very successful line of, I guess, marital aids. Uh, I don't know what you want to call these films because um, he doesn't have sex in them. Um, right. It just turns out he fills the fridge with milk and he's quite mm. amused by that. And of course- this is after the grape scene. And then it's like, well, then where the hell am I going to keep my fucking grapes? You You know, Bucky just, he tries so hard. He filled the fridge up with milk and it's like, he can't even, you know, and he's just trying to be, trying to be a kind guy. It was a bit of cheeky fun. And and Kevin Nealon is just like, I'm not, I'm not playing along. I hate you, (laughs) which is awesome. Yeah. Of all the people who are mean, to Bucky Larson in this film, he's the only one whose meanness to Bucky has like this depth to it that isn't about like Bucky's physical presence. Right. Like right. he's not, he's, I mean, he makes a quick joke about teeth, I think, when they first meet, but it turns into like, no, actually, I've got bigger issues than you. Right. Anybody existing in my space is what's going to mess you up. Like his, his, his anger and, 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 uh, aggressive despair kind of flows outwards from him. He's a, a roommate by necessity. In, in, a, in a very equal, in a very equal, in a very equal way. Whereas you know, like he would be mean to you regardless of of whether One or of not people that you're like or not. absolutely should be living alone and is doing this yeah. out of like financial need. Right, right. But like, will treat you like a piece of furniture the whole time. Exactly. But also he, right. there's, a, there's a lot of projection from that character. Like the scene where, you know, the first scene when he's moved in and Bucky goes into the bathroom and finds Gary sitting on the toilet <laughs> because his bathroom is his sanctuary. Uh, so that's right. why he, he can't, he, he can't shit where his, uh, where his, where, where he showers. showers. He can't do that. But as he's leaving, as Bucky leaves the room, the best line. The, brush his teeth in the swimming pool. <laughs> the, the brush his teeth in the swimming pool. He's Kevin Nealon yells back at him. You better not be a psycho. It's like yep. that's on him. Yeah, that was that's one on of those. Him. Yeah. Which I just feel like it's just such a well-developed character 
in a film where you know you don't necessarily get a, a ton of character development you know that i think that's a fair criticism of it who has a non kneeling scene that's good um you know i did really like the scene where bucky was teaching kathy how to balance the trays and <laughs> sort of making a little obstacle for course well the montage <laughs> yeah yeah oh. i thought it was really sweet of him and you know I mean, we can we can sit and debate all day whether or not Christina Ricci's character should have had loftier aspirations and, and actual ambitions. But, you know, I think that, you know, it, it was a scene that was meant to demonstrate that Bucky is very thoughtful and that he's mm. a sensitive person. And, you know, I I I appreciated that. I thought that was really sweet of him, you know. Fair enough. Hudson, was there any particular scene or character that really stood out for you as uh enjoyable or meaningful for you like seeing very briefly seeing the guy who was the shaman from uh what do you call it from grandma's boy mm. a couple of like very small cameos <laughs> yeah um the part where they're i guess he pops up in the scene where they're where dick shadow is discussing how he discovered oh, his, his talents <laughs> <laughs> Well, he he has the what's what's the line about like no, nothing grows in the shadow of <laughs> yeah, nothing grows in my shade in the shade of my, my cock shade my cock shade my cock shade right yeah it's it's just you know it's it's a level of profoundly dumb that I'm still particularly fond of and there's the cameos are great like obviously Peter Dante's in that in that scene as well um the party and then you've got like. Alan Covert from from Grandma's Boy, who has his very small role in the film as the porno shop cashier. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like his interaction oh, with Bucky right. is amazing. He's like, "We don't sell kitty porn," and Bucky's, line. Was, <laughs> Bucky's response to him is like, "Oh, I don't have a cat." <laughs> like that's like he just misunderstood. It's a brilliant just misunderstanding. Oh, um. I mean, I think that's that's the thing about Bucky's character that I like so much. Like, I mean, yes, people were ragging on him, but it's just like his naivete is just so on display. Like when he goes in for the mac and cheese commercial and he just doesn't always sense a place. So he goes to the porno shop and he's like, I want to be a star. And then he goes to the mac and cheese commercial and he's like, OK, I'm going to drop my pants and start doing whatever that he's doing, which is I mean, I guess it's masturbation, but it's hard to tell. Rubbing and bumping. He called it whacking. He called it whacking. Yes. And and Claudio, like that character, Claudio was just such like so smarmy, and mm. uh, uh, where he tells like his female assistant, who is obviously horrified that Bucky has started cranking his hog, um, yeah. tells her you're being a killjoy, and it's like, well, I mean, there's this guy who's just, oh. you know, he's just. Yeah, he's just jerking off in front of you. And, you know, I'm calling her a killjoy for being grossed out by that. Like, it just, it was, it just felt like sort of the, the least common denominator of like edgelord humor, you know? For sure. I mean, I think that's it. I think that's, I think you described the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, I think I my, I that. think my, my, one of my favorite things, and it was only through a second, I had to watch it twice. We always watch the movies twice for this thing. And the second time I watched it, I cheated and I just watched like a shit ton of clips. What? On YouTube. 
And oh, absolutely, I cheated. I'm not watching this thing again. But I rewatched the scene, <sighs> which I think is phenomenal now that I've seen it twice, where the woman is in line at the Bucky Larson DVD signing. Oh, yeah. And talks to Bucky Larson and thanks him because it makes her appreciate her husband's very small penis. Right. Or her penis. Thank, thanks him for his gross niblet. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, like, really, I was very aided by marijuana, but was like cracking up at how deep she goes. And the dude <laughs> just no sells it. He just kind of looks at her like, Ooh, you're really airing it out, aren't you? There it all is. All right. It was great. It's it's that monologue is the monologue at the meeting greet is made. Now that's Julia. That's Julia Wall. The only reason I know her name is because it's on her on the necklace she's wearing. And it's also her actual name. Like she's and she's someone who appears in a lot of these Happy Madison movies. Um, mm. So she's a she's a regular in these. But like I, there's a line in that early mm-hmm. on where she says she goes, "My boyfriend's got a really small dick, like no meat on it." And that felt to me immediately like <laughs> that right away. I was like, that's like a Tim Robinson. I think you should leave bit. Totally. It was 100% <laughs> that. And he just sort of like, that's the only time he reacts. He kind of looks at her like, uh, and then she keeps going. He's like, oh, like he's learning alongside her. <laughs> yeah. Like he's unaware. <laughs> it's so good. Oh man, that really got me. But see, that's the thing is, like, I came out of this of of rewatch because I watched this film back in. I rented it probably a, like a Netflix back when they used to send you DVDs in the mail in like 2012. So like a year oh, after, time, yeah, year after it came out. So I watched it back then. I for rewatching it now, like considering what my how my tastes and humor have changed and with the you know or have, have evolved, I should say, and the existence of things like Tim Robinson's "I Think You Should Leave." or Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, like these very absurdist sorts of comedies that can have some gross elements smiling to it. Smiling Friends. Yeah, Smiling Friends. Like, those are like, that's my sure. world. Is I appreciate this movie more now than I did then because it actually feels closer to kind of the this very absurdist thing where, like, you could have a scene like that where someone will just do, like, two and a half minutes of my boyfriend has a small penis, but my God, what you have <laughs> turned into a stand-up comic. Yeah. It was incredible. What you have is so small that it makes, my, she's saying, it makes my dick look big. It makes me look like <laughs> I have a big dick. And it's just like, she it was it's so well like, done. It's so well why done. Why doesn't this person Such a straight dominate face, the film? Like great comedic delivery there. Stole the show. Easily the best performance in this whole film by far. film to me is like an inverse boogie nights it's like a porn yeah. parody boogie nights like a porn parody of a porn parody of boogie nights don johnson is miles deep doing the I feel like there might thing. be another level of parody in there the opposite yeah there's like libel there's layers to it it's a very it's a multi-layered multifaceted comedy and then you've got bucky's micro penis compared to mark Wahlberg's character having a right. Yeah. and so like it's directly tied to that like it's hard not it's hard not to see that no i well first of all i didn't see it i guess well but you were you, you only I'm watched dummy, it one like, and a half times apparently so <laughs> i 
that well, I was going to come up. you know, I, I will say that, you know. I just don't want it tied to that other movie because Boogie Nights is like a, an actual movie and stuff. I was just bummed that like it could you could tell that they were inspired and trying to parody Boogie Nights. Um, I was really curious and, you know, wondering how you guys feel about this how there weren't any of the more like I think that they could have gone further making it a parody like I was really surprised that there were no scenes of drugs happening like you could have had so much fun with like mountains of cocaine in like 70s porn and um you know just other other types of really hilarious jokes along those lines um and there wasn't even any of that. I was, I was just like, I was like the, the joke is Yeah, right with there. some forethought, this could have been a movie. I mean, I think also when you're dealing with this sort of subject matter, you're towing the line of potentially getting into NC-17 territory. You know, right. this, is a, this is an R-rated movie and I don't think they could have made this a PG-13 film if they tried. It's like, yes, like Swartzen had previously, he was a co-writer on Malibu's Most Wanted. That was kind of his big break in the very beginning so Malibu's most wanted and grandma's boy so yeah, he sort yeah. of understood there was a certain level of, of, the, of what you can get away with but like once you start bringing in drugs and you start bringing in like actual sex scenes then it becomes it becomes harder to keep keep that from going completely off so I think they probably had some level of restrictions to work with there that's too bad I I think that, you know I think a really good cocaine scene would have just you know that would have it would have been funny Along been- with the makeover montage, I don't know why they didn't give his character a makeover. I think they could have given him a makeover and kept the hair and the teeth, um, but maybe kind of porn starred him up a little bit. I was really surprised we didn't get one of those. That would have they been- had, I mean, the, the other, the other like the makeup artist character was quite a oh, sweet, I loved that sweet character. character as well. Mm. Quite, a, quite a lovely person, it seemed like. <laughs> And kept getting, kept getting shitted on as well. The ensemble of, of, of characters around him, I think, are wonderful. Um, I think we get a lot of that to interact with him. But I, I, what I actually like about this film is that it, there's a lot of very easy places it could have gone, and it chose not to go to those places. They could have had him become corrupted by winning those, those adult right. film awards, and he becomes a different person. Like, it's a very common trope of sort of like this, like, innocent person then becomes, you know, this terrible thing and then has to come back around at the end like he never stopped being who he was like at no point did he he and like that actually is something that they could have very easily gone that route and like and i think that's where like things like drugs become off limits in terms of character development because it's like well you don't really want to do that defending what they did in this film because like the last 20 minutes of this movie are (laughs) first of all like um like at this point just ended after after the award show and it's like, hey, it's a tidy hour and 20 minutes. I don't feel too bad. But then there's an extra 20 minutes where they do more things. All of those things are wildly confusing. Yeah, the, there's the part a, where there's Kathy a, breaks up with him, like, and Miles. And then his boss is like, Nathan oh, I just told her to break up with you, basically. Didn't make any sense, came completely out of left field. And um yeah, it was it was it was very strange. And the scene where they're all having breakfast, I think like breakfast or lunch the next morning and Bucky's talking about it and he starts crying and everyone is making fun of him. But the only person that gives him any sort of look of concern or empathy is the porn star that was sitting at the table, the woman. 
it's it's truly a mystifying end to i mean i guess i can't expect much from a you know a goat blowing a guy (laughs) at the beginning of the movie to then you know what i mean like you're really fixated on that hunt it was the start of the movie gary but like other things happened the start of the movie really just like has big January 2016 or January 6, 2021 energy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like where were these care? Where were you at, at, at 12 PM on January 6, 2021? I know they- Getting your dick sucked by a goat or where, where else were you? The ending of the film is, is saved only by the presence again of Kevin Nealon. Yeah. And Christina Ricci. Right. Which I still want to know why she's there. Yeah, but look, it's pretty clear why she's there. So, like, the, the thing is, is that when she sits down with uh, with Dick Shadow, Stephen Dorff, uh-huh. and they're they're sitting across from each other at the end of her shift, and she's counting her tips. Like, I loved that because it actually that scene between the two of them does a lot of explaining about her character and her motivations. She says at one point why she explains why she broke up with him in that moment. And she, when she broke up with Bucky, she said, I knew it was more important for him to continue helping the world than for me to have happiness. It was a self, it was a moment of selflessness because she was recognizing that what these movies that he was making was doing for relationships all over the world was extraordinary. And then it takes him all over the world. That's what she said all (laughs) over the world. Look, you saw the, the there was at least one box of those of those movies was being sent to Moscow. <laughs> I saw the the, the, the yeah. post that said to Moscow from Hollywood. So clearly it is worldwide success. Oh, Gary. I mean, Keegan Michael Key's like oh, you yeah. know, he his cameo. I mean, he was just completely starstruck by Bucky, you know? Yeah, he was making a difference. And I mean, that was part of what again adds to this narrative of him being just this sweet and good person you know you know he, he his orgasms may be horrifying but you know oh my god i'm gonna never <laughs> again it's because anytime you bring up something good about this film like 10 seconds later you have to remind everyone like oh don't watch it everybody by the way no Please i think we would, i think people should watch it i mean again like, oh, that, that ending is lovely no, they no, write off movie yeah. they write off into the sunset on a white horse <laughs> Like they're, they're like, will you do me a favor? Will you ride? Will you give me a ride home to Iowa? And he says, with honors. And then they set off into the sunset on a white horse down down the street. It, it's such a great way of parodying the romantic comedy aspect of it, which again makes you kind of forget a bit about how he was making monkey noises the first time he saw a pair of breasts. Bucky's orgasms are like. That's my sleep paralysis demon for sure. Like that is the nightmare that I have those times when my brain waves are neither asleep nor awake. That Oof. is what I that is the terror that I hallucinate is Oof. Bucky having an erection and, and ejaculating. It's it is it is a horror in and of itself. And those writers should go straight to hell for that. <laughs> Inexcusable. I mean, I was so. So should we vote, Gary? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like we've been hearing a lot from the two of you on no, everything totally. you didn't like about this film. And I feel like 
maybe Hudson Mohawk might be more in my corner on this. And actually if some, yeah. I get the sense that you you liked it more than these guys did. Right. I, uh, yeah. I, you know, it's no grandma's boy, um, mm-hmm. which I guess that what is, what is, well, yeah. And also I guess that that has kind of possibly held up a little better because of it being, focused around kind of incel gamers and that kind of right. thing which which kind of you know was way before its time um but i you know i laughed a lot at this i you know i i'm a fan of like like we said you know there's no uh it's just it's just profoundly dumb and there's there's no uh consideration of even like trying to make a good movie and i think that that's that is in itself funny you know i agree because i think i think a lot of the criticisms that i'm hearing about this like are taking are are not meeting this movie on its own level and on its own terms you know what you're right there that's exactly what i'm doing and i know that i'm doing it but that's those are my feelings i'm not i'm better right (laughs) no no i'm better than it I know you 100%. think you are, but what I'm saying I is you're think not. I am. I, mean, I am better than this. It's guy. like this is a film that starts with the with the with the goat blowing scene. Like I'm sorry, but like then you can't be thinking too hard about character development. It's like it's basically saying this is a sophomore gross out comedy, and but that's what all would it we is. Talk about Gary. We have to fill two hours <laughs> talking, and you're just like, don't do anything. Don't be mad that you're not laughing or having a good time. No, I'm saying it's just to appreciate it for what it is. It's your fault this movie blows. This is directed by the guy who did the hot chick. Like, I'm just saying, like... like, There are funny, gross-out sex comedies. There are. Mm. This is not one of them. I didn't... I did not laugh. I did not laugh. Like, American Pie, hilarious. Like, I watched that... I think I went to the theater, like, four times to watch it it when it first came out. And, I mean, the jokes... The jokes even today, I don't know if they still hold up. They might... But at least they were funny then. I I don't even think these jokes were funny when this movie came out. I mean, do you know I, Gary? Do you, do you know how? I mean, how did it perform when it came out? Oh, it was a uh, pretty dismal. Oh man! Yeah. So it's it's <laughs> a film that had um, it was it was for a long time it had a zero percent Rotten Tomatoes score because <laughs> many of the, most of the ratings were were overwhelmingly negative. Um, the budget for the film was $10 million and it was like, I think number 15 or number 16 in this opening week, it ultimately grossed at the box office about 2.5 million. So pretty wide gap between those. And it was nominated for, you won't be surprised, multiple Razzies. uh, Great. For in the next year. But I hope it's one category. It lost to the A-team, Adam Sandler. It lost to Jack and Jill because only Jack and Jill has Al Pacino lusting for adam sandler in a dress while also shilling dunkachinos elmer fudding we call it elmer fudding elmer fudding he got bugs in the dress you know i was i was really curious about about the movie so i you know after i watched it i started doing i started doing a little bit of research about it and nick swartzen you know he kind of got a little gully about how the movie was critically received he was a little Uh he he did he was like well these are the these critics are the same people that are reviewing avatar and the king's speech like of course they're not gonna think that this is like whatever and it's like no maybe it's just a bad movie like yeah you know it's he got he got he got a little about it about it did i'm disappointed to hear that because i would have thought 
you know, you go into making something like that knowing that it's right. Yeah. No, he, he said was, he, he quoted. He was, he was mad. He, I watched an interview and he was quoted as basically saying, "We knew the critics were not going to like this because of the way it was directed, and the way we acted, and the way it was written." Actual quote. And then after the movie comes out, he's like, "I don't, I don't like the critics." I'm like, "Well, right. you already said that this isn't going to work." The movie wasn't way. even screened for critics, which is like theater or studios it's, don't, it's even, don't do that unless they know it's, it's a death um, it is so i, I want to do this this movie a little just i'm going to actually give it a little bit of, of credit to gary's surprise I, this I'm is the lowest stunned silence at this, this point. is the <laughs> lowest rated of all of the adam sandler universe of movies the happy madison productions movies wow I think that it should trade places with Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Oh, yeah. And be oh, the yeah. second worst yeah. because that movie is a cruel, horrible movie about the worst things in society. That aside, it's 4% compared to 3%. So I think those two. <laughs> I think they should. Flip. I will say, if I was going to say anything negative about it, I feel the by comparison to what those guys were capable of writing it's a little lazy i feel a little kind of boilerplate but i still laughed a lot i laughed a lot like i i guess the thing i keep going back to is i laughed a lot like i think about lines in this like this everyone this the line where he says everybody keeps talking about my accent but i'm from america (laughs) that made me laugh oh i mean such brilliant lines of calling vaginas a smell garden (laughs) Oh. But you see, we just laughed at that. Like, no, listen, I've that. said this since laugh. the beginning of the podcast. It's funnier coming from us. Also, <laughs> it's the, one of the reasons it's not funny is because they're like, it, it's just so poorly delivered to me. There's no like fun in most of the characters. It's but, just like. But what about when Bucky bad. is sitting poolside while he's coaching Christina Ricci? who moved to Hollywood to become a waitress as opposed to moving to Hollywood to become an actress or a rock Theoretically, star. Theoretically, that's very funny. But it's when funny, it was, but he's sitting all... by the pool, but he's sitting by the pool and she's learning to like carry the multiple uh, things on her tray. And he, suddenly he's dressed up as an old lady and he's like, I'm an old lady and I love soup. Like, <laughs> I left my ass off at that point. I'm sorry. That to um, me was just so damn funny. That might've been where I, missed I, it, where I blacked out. <laughs> I mean, I, to be fair, I was really drunk last night when I was watching this. I was wasted. I mean, when, he, when he wins the award for best taint and, yes. and he, he yes. says it come, he, he must have gotten it from his mother. Yes. <laughs> like, like his obliviousness would plays in your favor. Like, I feel like some of the gross terms that get used are one thing, but like it just the way it comes back through him. It's like he doesn't have the vocabulary for these things. So it's like when he wins awards and it's like, he obviously his excitement for seeing Polly Shore was great. He didn't know what the paint was. He doesn't know what it is, but he's sure he got it from his mom. Like that's, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised that he didn't know what the taint was because during the scene when, when they're watching the movie at, in the, in the, the basement, one of the characters, one of the, one of the friends says something about a dirt button. So mm. I feel like mm. I'm surprised that, which I hope to never hear those two words together ever again. I'm surprised that nobody took the moment to explain that the taint is 
is nearby of proximity to the dirt button. Yeah. Well, I mean, huh. it, this is the year of learning things, I guess, for Bucky Larson. You're realizing shit. Exactly. You know, and then like, of course, Christina Ricci's character also being a virgin, you know, but yet having the ingenuity to fashion a condom with a lighter oh, yeah, and I the tip of that. a straw. <laughs> that, now, <laughs> now we're talking comedian. about something she good. Is, that was just terrible physical comedy delivery just all around, like. No, I got, I, I, I just I just couldn't believe the way she just she face, like came it, up with that as an idea in that his moment. Face, his face when he's like, it fits. <laughs> yes, it fits. <laughs> Like I get that there's a lot of things that are off-putting about this film, and like the idea of them having having sex is just so implausible by that. Point. Another that, one like, where upon rewatch, I was a little kinder to that on rewatch. I was where I was like, that was what his face doing? is she's not good. Doing there. what I think she's doing, this is not going to go the way. Oh, it went that way. Okay. But you like you have to you have to understand that like I have been we've been barraged at that point with about a full movie's worth of this. <laughs> so like when I watch these clips taken out of the movie, they're funnier because they're clips. I don't have to, I know I don't have another 10 minutes of more plot explication coming at me now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's yeah. funnier when it's in two minutes and not an hour and 40 minutes. Of I that joke over and over again. The, the, the premise of the film, of course, is that having a small penis is emasculating and that it is seen as, as, a, as a weakness. And, and it's like, I, I guess my question is, is that kind of, I mean, and I, I'm speaking purely about, you know, cisgender, heterosexual yes, male. Right. Is, is, is it funny to you to have the, that sort of emasculation parodied and, and and made fun of like is that is that funny to y'all there's a ton of things that can be funny like an infinitude of funny things if you make it funny and they didn't so in they this didn't. case no but like you know penis jokes can be very funny penis jokes can the, be hilarious i think the yeah. concept of it is funny i think right they didn't necessarily execute it all that well but yeah the the concept is Suitable, suitable. Um, I don't know. They like ma they made him look like Porky Pig and like act like joke. Porky Pig. The merkin that they paint onto his jet. Like, I, I, I listened to him talk about them actually. What they did to portray his genitals <laughs> in the film. But they basically he said he said Nick Swartz said <laughs> that they painted than the movie. <laughs> they painted a dick on his dick and it took like thirty minutes to do. And the <sighs> person doing it kept saying, "I'm so sorry." As he was <laughs> basically putting this like bizarre merkin thing on there. And I think the reveal of the merkin to me was funnier than the idea that he's just you know has a micro penis. It was just the reveal of this thing that like. Wait a minute. Wait. There was a scene where you see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a for a second. I mean, just for a second. Thrown off the it's, rooftop. It's burned in my brain. I didn't. Did, did I watch like a sanitized version of it? Or? Oh, I hope not. I, I hope think so. I. I think I might have because I don't. That's I. I, I just like it's, it's a split second. It's a. It's a blink yeah. and you'll miss it. Um. I don't think that's in the version that's on Amazon. That's the one that I watched. Mm. I think they cut that out. Well, I watched the one that was on uh, on Apple, and, and I see it. I mean, you see it, but you don't see it very long, so it's entirely possible yeah, it's that really you know. Quick. It was it, like I said, I was really drunk when I watched it. Sure, so. no, <laughs> that's okay. No, I, I think that's like, the best way to do it. Yeah, okay. I could have blacked out. I uh, something fair, told fair. me that I, this is not a movie to watch 
uh, for me sober. So, well, I think that's fair. Okay. So I think it's time that we have the, the final vote on this. Um, and the question ultimately is whether this is a good, bad movie. We know it's a bad movie. We, we can all agree on that, but is yeah. it a good, bad movie? So let's go around and, and weigh it. If it was on in a hotel room or on a flight or something, I would a hundred percent watch it again. Word. Absolutely. I'm in the same camp. I think it's a good, bad movie. I've watched it now multiple times. I laughed at it. I will remember some of these scenes over time. Is it like as good as Grandma's Boy? No, but I'd also, yeah. would, I would also be the kind of person who would make the argument that Grandma's Boy is actually not a bad movie, but that's yeah. a whole other discussion. It's why we didn't watch Grandma's Boy in this episode. So in my view, I'm, I think in the same inclination as, as Hudson Mohawk here, in that this is a movie that I would watch again. I wouldn't necessarily go and see it in a theater, but I would go and watch again, which I think meets the threshold in my mind for a good, bad movie. I would not watch this again. I think it's, you know, I, when, I, when I think of good, bad movies, I think of Showgirl, you know? Mm -hmm. Like mm. Showgirls is, I mean, if, if, if that, you know, if I was just flipping around on TV and that was on HBO, like that my night is set, you know? Yeah. If I came across this and it was on, I would not, I would not tune in. Um, you know, I think it's Pretty just, much, yeah, go ahead. there's so go ahead. many good, bad movies. And I, I would just, if I had to watch one of them, I would rather watch anything else but this movie. I would probably rather drill nails into my eyeballs than <laughs> watch this movie again. So that's a no for you. Okay. It's a no. It's a no for me, dog. I will probably never skip when I see in my, like if YouTube brings it up in my algorithm where it's like Kevin Nealon, funny moments, Bucky Larson, mm -hmm. I would watch that again. I would watch his parts and his parts alone again. Okay. And the monologue at the uh, meet and, and the greet? monologue and that's it. I yeah. don't want anything else from the film. So okay. no. Well, you know, now that you just said that, the algorithm is going to make sure that- Oh, I said it out loud. It's recorded. <laughs> I'm all in. Like, send me those to Straight to your FBI file. Like, totally. it is going to be in all of your targeted ads now. If, we, oh, if, yeah. we, if I'm ever brought in for questioning and torture, they'll just play that movie and cut those scenes out. <laughs> and I'll just watch the rest of that piece of shit. And I just oh, want to make clear, by being on this podcast, you all now have an FBI file. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm eating a grape. Mm. No, that, movie, that movie had weird effects on me. And one of them was I've been craving grapes. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the impact of a good film, a good bad movie. I, I wanted to tell you a little okay, fun first of facts. all, we we landed 50-50. We are that was not a good bad movie. No, we we I think so technically you lost. No, 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 no. Voted, no, no. It's not a good bad movie. No, no, if we're following British soccer rules, that's down the middle. It is a a tie. When did we start following British soccer? We had one Scottish guy on. Now we're British soccer experts. I mean, look, I think that what that's is down the, the middle mean? No, that's not yeah. the no. Two of us liked the film and thought it fell in the category of good bad movie, and two so of us you're, didn't. You're saying we have ties? Yeah, it was, it, there's ties. Yeah, the way this, the, way the gentleman's agreement was drawn up was is 
the vote means if it's not a good bad movie, you lose. No, no, no. That's not how. That's it's how we. Maybe then your mind of how you. We don't have a contract here. No, exactly. That's the way means, I came into this understanding. Well, if you came into it under under a false understanding, I'm sorry for you, but the reality is that. What do you there mean a, a false understanding? This is literally a 50-50 split. I, at this point, in yes, both cases. In, no, no. In 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 Tremors, we had a two to one. Totally. It's not a good. And bad then you movie. stacked the deck, and I won. And then so I won that episode, and this one's a tie. So we're we're still one one nil, with a tie. It's this. It's soccer rules. I mean, come on now. No, 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 no. You can't just say the word soccer over and over again and hope I get bored enough not to argue. Well, I thought you liked soccer. I thought you liked soccer Uh, and grapes and grapes. I do love grapes. Can I tell you a little fun fact about this movie? Probably not. If it's going to be fun. Yeah, probably not. Go ahead. So the director of the film, uh, speaking of football, uh, the director's name is Tom Brady, um, but he's not the football uh-huh. player Tom Brady. Right. And you know he—that's like his whole Instagram is that, right? Not the not that Tom Brady. I suspect so. Well, so he directed the Hot Chick. He directed the Comeback. So he before he did this Thanks, movie, dude. but before he started working True with the contributions Happy to the oeuvre. But before he started working with Happy Madison, do you know uh, what he did work on? He was a writer and co-producer on The Critic. You know what? Good for him. Yeah. It's a shame that he like later was just made stuff I hated. Oh, I mean, it, it's... Because I mean, that's a, that's a promising beginning to then turn in this clunker. Well, you know, I think again, for now, we're still one one nil, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about my prospects in this. But now it's your turn to pick a movie. Well, it's it's really hard not to believe that you're picking movies specifically as vengeance against me. I picked one movie. That this now is you're, that, come that on. this is that this is you. But that's the opening opening shot. We just talked about the opening shot of that last movie, setting the tone. The tone's been set. I picked one movie and it was a tie. I wanted, I, I believe that there's a high road and a low road that I can take right now. Mm. The high road, I mean, neither is a particularly amazing film, <laughs> but the high road has a lot of like fun zaniness and the zaniness. low road, the low road is pure and utter zane. There's only zany. Billy Zane? Not quite that zany. Okay, because I feel like at some point, we're but it's like watch a Billy very, it's all the way lowbrow, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen it much like you with Bucky Larson. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Okay, so I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the low road here. Oh wow, the okay. low road. Our next. Guest. So see, I'm telling you that I'm not doing vengeance, and you're going vengeance. You're just actually totally going and leading into. That. I'm gonna okay. stay with this theme that you've mm-hmm. picked of mm-hmm. like over overly sophomoric like to the point of just freshman okay all right uh this movie uh has john candy in it okay great uh the catch is john candy is a talking horse named don Mm -hmm. and he will be talking a lot to bobcat goldthwaite and dabney coleman we're gonna watch hot to trot Jeff? Yeah. Did you know that Hot to Trot 
is one of my favorite movies? No. I talk about it constantly. In We're going to have so much fun. I am delighted to be talking about Hot to Trot with you. I think you might score a win next awesome. time. I think so, too. I think, I this think movie, you might have a winner. I think this movie is a straight up ripper. It is just go, go, go from the second it starts. And it never stops being ridiculous. Do you know what Bobcat Goldthwait calls uh, Hot to Trot? No, I don't. He calls it that fucking horse movie. (laughs) We'll see y'all next time, man. This is going to be dope. (laughs) Take care, everybody. It's the Cabbages Podcast Network.